Hello, and welcome to the fifth and final episode of Outside the Game. My name is Jamie McCallum, and as always, I'll be your host today. On the fifth and final episode of this podcast, I want to talk about whether Toronto is still undoubtedly a hockey town. We know that historically it has been, and we know that hockey is in our DNA and all of that, but I did want to explore a little bit on whether the Raptors are catching up to the Leafs at all in the city of Toronto. If you want to go back and listen to all of the episodes of Outside the Game, you can visit my blog at jamiemccallum.wordpress.com slash outside the game. And just as a little bit of a recap for you guys, the first episode focused on mental health in sports. The second episode was about activism in sports. In the third episode, I talked about pressure in sports. And I even included a top five list of what I think would be the most pressure-packed moments when it comes to professional sports. In episode four, I tried to answer the question of whether we can separate the athlete from the person. And I tied in the hashtag MeToo movement going on right now because I think it's relevant. I think we're asking right now on if we can continue to enjoy the work of certain people in Hollywood who have either admitted to doing bad things or who have allegedly done bad things. Can I still watch Louis C.K.'s comedy, for example, in sort of a guilt-free way? Or a Kevin Spacey movie? Or a Woody Allen movie? Or what have you? So that's episode four. And in this episode, like I said, I want to explore a little bit on whether Toronto is still undoubtedly a hockey town. I also just wanted to take this opportunity to thank everybody who's listened to this podcast. Some of you probably know this, but I created this podcast for a class that I'm taking. I took a digital marketing class at the University of Toronto. And in that class, the main marks were a class project. So we could either do a blog, a vlog, or a podcast. And actually, there were about 40 plus people in the class. I was the only one in the class who chose to do a podcast. One other person did a video project, but everybody else in the class chose to do a blog. And to me, creating this podcast was never really about getting X number of listens or really making this into a moneymaker or potentially having this be something that I do as sort of a career move down the line. Really the main goal for me with this podcast was just to see if I could do it. I really love podcasts. I love the art form of the podcast. I probably listen to, no joke, maybe three hours of podcasts every day. I, I barely listen to music anymore just because I'm constantly listening to podcasts. And I really wanted to try my hand at it. I was really excited at the idea of building something from scratch, building something from the ground up. So everything to do with the Outside the Game podcast was done by me, except my wife designed the logo, but other than that, everything else was done by me. I had to come up with the name, I had to come up with the concept, I had to come up with the topics, I had to figure out what I was going to talk about in each episode, I had to figure out which YouTube clips I wanted to include, I had to sort of figure out what my what my argument was, what my, what my take was 
for each episode. I had to figure out what type of microphone to buy. I had to figure out how I was going to edit it, what program I was going to use, and then I had to learn that program. I ended up using GarageBand, which has been more or less pretty good. I also experimented with partially scripted versus scripted. So the first three, I more so decided on what what topics I wanted to hit, what questions I wanted to answer, and then I would just sort of riff on them. Over time, I started leaning more towards a more scripted approach where I would write out everything I was going to say. So that's what I've done for episodes four and five. So really, I'm just experimenting to see what works, to see what creates the best product. So it's been a great journey for me. I'm really proud of what I created here. It did take quite a little bit of time. And I still remember the the first time I, on episode number one, when I hit record and I just, I was like, shit, now I have to actually talk about things and be interesting about things and keep the listener's attention and all of that. I also had to figure out how to promote it to sort of try to get some listens. But again, it wasn't really about the listens. I just wanted to create it. I wanted to see if I could do it. And another thing I'll mention is that I did purposefully make it a five-part podcast only because I didn't want to be tied down by it. I didn't want to sort of overpromise things and then not deliver. So I really wanted it to have a firm end date. So yeah, this is episode five, but it's still TBD on on if I continue in some way, shape, or form with this whole podcasting thing. I, I do think that I that I've improved over time, so that's nice to see. But at the same time, it does take a lot of time. So yeah, we'll see. But for the moment, I'm proud to have created it. This is episode five. Let's go. I've never been a big fan of hockey. Never played it growing up. Never really followed the NHL or a specific hockey team. I've never gone to purchase a hockey stick or pads or helmet or booked ice time at the local rink. And to be brutally honest with you, and I'm a little embarrassed to admit this, I can barely skate. All that being said, I think that one of the main reasons I never really took to hockey was because it took attention away from my true passion in sports, the Toronto Raptors. I've been a Raptors fan since they first became an NBA team in 95, when they were led by Damon Stoudemire, our point guard who went by Mighty Mouse. But my fandom reached new heights when Vince Carter blazed onto the scene in 98. His soaring dunks and smooth game made him arguably the most exciting player in the league, who also just so happened to be a Raptor. His popularity reached a fever pitch when he blew the roof off of the Oakland Arena at the dunk contest of the 2000 All-Star Game weekend. Nobody had ever seen a man dunk like him, and the cherry on top was the word Toronto, proudly displayed on the front of his jersey. I've been a diehard Raptors fan ever since, and having lived most of my life in Toronto, it's not lost on me that in a lot of ways, we live in a hockey town that just happens to have a basketball team, 
Hockey is in Canada's blood. It's one of the first things, if not the first thing, that outsiders think of when they think of our country. It's probably our best sport, with Canadians making up about half of the NHL's players for the past 20 or so years, and typically performing very well in international competitions. It's part of our DNA, we're a cold weather country, yada, yada, yada. I get it. At times, it can be frustrating being a basketball fan in a hockey town, having to check to see if the Leafs are playing before going to a bar to watch the Raptors, because you know who they're going with if they're on at the same time. You know which team is getting the big screen and the audio. Having to listen to sports radio give five times as much coverage to hockey than basketball. Same goes for your TSNs or your sports nets. For so many years, nobody wanted to talk about the team with a cartoon dinosaur as its logo. It didn't help that the Raptors were more or less a bad team for the first 20 years of their existence. Over their first 20 seasons, they made the playoffs only five times, winning one lone playoff series. I'll always remember celebrating that first round playoff series win over the New York Knicks like it was a damn championship. But for the past five years, things have really turned around for the Raptors. No longer a laughingstock, we've made the playoffs for the past five straight seasons. Three of those years, we made it to the second round, and in one, we made it to the conference finals. After years of struggles, we're finally a legitimate team. So the question is worth asking, is Toronto still undoubtedly a hockey city? Or is basketball creeping further and further into the public's consciousness? If the Raps and the Leafs are playing simultaneous games, is it still a no-brainer for bars to go with the Leafs on the biggest screen? Or might they now think twice, if only for a second? Hockey Town versus Basketball Town is obviously not an official designation. But that didn't stop me from gathering some stats to test out if maybe the Raps, just maybe, if they're inching closer to the Leafs in this great city of ours. So as we've seen with many teams, the Toronto Blue Jays are a prime example of this, a team's success, wins and losses, plays a large part in determining attendance and popularity. After all, who wants to go watch some shitty team who's 10 and 30 with no playoff aspirations? The energy just isn't there, and neither are the stakes. So in terms of team success, the Raptors have recently had the edge over the Leafs. Since 2010, over the last eight seasons, the Raptors have made the playoffs five times and have won four separate playoff rounds, reaching the East Finals in the 2015-16 season. The Leafs, on the other hand, haven't had quite the same amount of success since 2010. Over the last eight seasons, the Leafs have made the playoffs three times, not winning a single playoff round over that span. So that's eight playoff round wins for the Raps versus three for the Leafs. That means that when it comes to team success over the past eight years, which so often dictates popularity, attendance, interest, and demand for tickets, the Raptors have the edge. What about attendance? I managed to find the average attendance for Leafs and Raptors games last season. 
and to be honest, it's more or less of a wash. The Raptors averaged 19,840 bums in seats, while the Leafs averaged 19,187. Both teams have slightly different capacities given the size of an NBA court versus an NHL rink. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. The numbers, they're so close. So I'm going to call this one a tie. I also took a look at ticket prices on the resale market, often a good indicator of demand. For the purposes of this exercise, I found the cheapest available ticket for the next five home games for both teams on StubHub. Leafs games have historically been more pricey than Raps games, probably due to a higher demand, and StubHub backed this up. At the time of recording in U.S. currency, the cheapest tickets for the next five Raptors home games were and $47. Fairly affordable. For the Leafs, you're looking at $93, and $120. So on average, the Raps price is around $65, while the Leafs price is around $115. Basically double. Resellers knowing that Leafs fans have more to spend could be a factor, but very hard to conclude that based on what we know. So in terms of ticket prices, the Leafs still seem to be higher. I guess it depends on your perspective whether you call this a win or a loss. After all, I'd rather pay less than more to watch my team play. But it does say something about how people value these tickets. Okay, so I love this next metric, social media. What better way to gauge the popularity of something in 2018 than using followers, likes, comments, retweets, shares, etc. And it's probably fair to say that the Raptors have the edge in this category. First, let's look at followers. On Instagram, the Raps have 1.6 million, while the Leafs have 825,000. On Twitter, the Leafs beat out the Raps, but only slightly with 1.84 million versus the Raps 1.74 million. But the Raptors take Facebook with 2.3 million page likes versus 1.4 million for the Leafs. And because you can also follow a page on Facebook, I'll just throw it out there that the Raps have 2.3 million followers while the Leafs have 1.3 million followers. And just for fun, let's take a quick look at engagement on Instagram. I took the average of the last three non-video posts for both accounts, again at the time of recording. For the wraps, the average number of likes was 33.1 thousand, while the Leafs had an average of 20.5 thousand. How about comments? Over the same three posts, the wraps averaged 257 comments, while the Leafs clocked in at 118 comments. So what does this all mean? Honestly, probably not a ton. There's no real scientific, numbers-based way to determine which sports team runs this city. But based on feeling alone, it does feel like the Raps have slowly been shrinking the gap between the two over the past eight years or so. My findings bear this out a little bit. They went out in terms of team success and social media presence. 
Yet the Leafs went out in terms of ticket prices on the resale market, a definite indicator of demand, and in terms of attendance, it's more or less of a draw. Anyway, there's no doubt that both the Leafs and the Raptors are in very good places right now, and you couldn't have always said that for the Raps. And I still do feel that if they play at the same time, most bars would probably give the bigger screen to the Leafs most of the time. But you can't deny that the Raps have built something really special over the years, and that has to be commended. There was a time when people thought professional basketball wouldn't even work in Canada. It didn't work in Vancouver, but it seems to be doing pretty well in Toronto. Also, and the following can't be understated, the Raps have Drake, so enough said. So that'll do it for the fifth and final episode of Outside the Game. Thanks so much to all who've listened, and keep an eye out, because you never know if I'm going to jump back into podcasting at some point in the future. So until next time, take care.